0: Hello, and welcome to the Journey Further podcast, a show where we learn from the people and businesses who are on a mission to do things differently. Over a third of all the food we produce gets wasted. And if food waste was a country, it would be the third biggest emitter of greenhouse gases. That's the problem today's guest is on a mission to solve. Emily van Popperinger is the co-founder of Oddbox, the fruit and veg delivery made up entirely of surplus food rescued directly from farms. They've gained real traction in London over the past few years with a particular surge in new customers over the past few months of lockdown. Now, with a fresh round of VC investment, they are set to expand across the UK. Emily is an extremely intelligent and a truly passionate founder. If you learn something listening to this, please do hit subscribe and leave a review in your podcast app. Here goes. Emily, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me Nathan.
0: Now obviously we're recording this remotely two months into lockdown in the UK, but hopefully everything uh, goes smoothly. I'd just like to kick things off uh, by asking you the question we start all of our discussions with, and that is what's the wrong you want to write?
1: Yes, so basically the wrong we want to write is about food waste. So Outbox is London's first and only sustainable fruit and veg box tackling food waste. And the way we do that is by working closely with farmers, rescuing fresh seasonal surplus fruit and veg, which are at risk of becoming food waste and also helping foster conscious consumerism. So with every box, Londoners reduce food waste, save CO2 and water.
0: Wow. And how did this come about? How did this become such a big problem, I guess, is my first, is my second question. How did so much food end up going to waste and this becomes such such a clear mission for you guys?
1: So just in terms of stats, um, worldwide there's around 30% of all the food we produce, which ends up uh, going to waste and not reaching consumers. And that's the same irrespective of whether it's a developed country or a developing country, for different reasons. And um, there's a lot of uh, different reasons this happened. So for example, in developing countries, it's a lot more with uh, loss in the supply chain because they might not have the right refrigeration uh, for especially for fruit and veg, which are quite sensitive. In uh, developed countries uh, like the UK, uh, one of the big reason is that uh, as consumers, we waste a lot of food at home. So uh, mm-hmm. more than half of the food we waste is in our homes because we've got access to a lot we buy a lot and therefore we end up wasting a lot and we don't necessarily value enough the uh, food that we buy and and another big part of the waste happens at farm level. And that's because uh, even though we are becoming a lot better in terms of forecasting, there's always fluctuation in the weather as well as fluctuation between demand and supply. And therefore it's difficult to predict exactly what needs to be grown. And so, uh, and um, where box uh, comes is so we um, rescue produce which are surplus, so kind of in terms of fluctuation between supply and demand, but also produce which don't necessarily meet uh, supermarket specification. And that's uh, on average 20 to 40 percent of uh, produce which don't necessarily meet uh, supermarket specification. And it's not really that there's anything wrong with the produce, it's just uh, do not uh, Uh, have the right size, shape, color or small uh, markings or cosmetic imperfections. So for example, supermarkets will want apples which are uh, a a certain diameter uh, and all of the apples which go in the bag need to kind of look similar. So that creates a lot of waste of smaller and bigger apples, for example.
0: Yeah. And how did it get to this point, I guess? How did it get to, how did it get to the point where the supermarkets are refusing so much so much produce and, and causing such a big problem?
1: Yes, yeah, so initially, um, in, in Europe it was because some EU regulation which got passed um, several years ago, which was an attempt to uh, make sure that the right quality was reaching the consumers. So uh, it was more kind of on the quality, and therefore, kind of these specifications were supposed to help in that sense. The specifications got lifted over 10 years ago, but then supermarkets uh, continued with that because all the supply chain was. Um, uh, automated and standardized for uh, the specific for this specification. And so for example, cucumbers, uh, you only see straight cucumbers in the supermarket. And that's because the wrapping machine uh, only takes straight cucumbers. And so all the uh, what is called the curly ones, they end up going to waste.
0: It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, already, it's obvious how, how complex an issue it is what's the impact that all this food going to waste has i guess environmentally first of all it would be good to to understand
1: so um just to uh, to put it in context so um food waste has a massive impact on climate change and we could actually uh, solve the issue of climate change by just by solving the issue of food waste um after so uh, in terms of um size um, food waste is the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases after the u.s and china so if it was a country it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases and uh, if you think uh, because sometimes it's difficult for people to understand what that means um, for example one kilo of banana which is around eight bananas use 800 liters of water in addition to all the kind of land resources um, uh, which and kind of transport which is used to bring these bananas from south america to us and so uh, 800 liters of water is uh, 10 shards so uh, actually uh, you could either skip uh, taking HRs or just not throw a banana. So that's the kind of scale of uh, food waste. And I'm, here I'm not only talking about water, but there's a lot of uh, labour and kind of land usage and the um, uh, CO2 emission of the transport, which also needs to be accounted for.
0: Yeah, wow, and I and I guess as, as you touch on with the labor point, the the impact that this must have on the on the growers on the producers of the food is huge as well. I guess it makes their lives, and their, running their businesses much more difficult, and so much is going to waste.
1: Yeah, and also uh, we all know that uh, food production and specifically kind of growing uh, fruit and veg is. A difficult job but it's also very low margins so uh, there's kind of the kind of current situation with the pandemic means that there's lots of produce which might be staying in the field and uh, for example we're working with one of the major um, Uh, lettuce suppliers and for the next uh, three to four weeks, we are going to take all of the lettuce which were destined for uh, hospitality and food services, so restaurants or pubs or catering which are actually uh, completely shut down. So we are taking all of these lettuce and putting these in our boxes for the next uh, few weeks to help them out. Otherwise, they would just uh, leave the lettuce in the field and plow it back. So that's, uh, even though it doesn't actually go to landfill and it stays in the field, and uh, yes, you could say it's used as a fertilizer, um, it was not meant to stay in the field. So, uh, they don't they don't grow don't grow produce to just leave it in the field. So there's mm. uh, always uh, people think that uh, actually it's fine if it stays on the tree or uh, in the ground, but uh, it's a lot of resources which have gone into growing produce which end up uh, staying uh, end up not reaching consumers, and also so uh, kind of. Um, the the environmental issue is huge but there's also we we all know that there's huge issue of food poverty worldwide and also in the uk and with just uh, a third of the food we waste we could feel feed all the malnourished people in the world so that's that's a huge amount of food that we waste and it's not as simple as that because uh, the food wasted might not be at in the same place or location as where people need the food. But in terms of scale, um, uh, uh, we can solve food poverty. It's not that uh, we don't have enough food for everyone. We grow a lot more food than what we need, but uh, Mm. it just doesn't reach people and gets wasted. And even in the UK, uh, especially right now, there's a lot of people who can't afford to eat and can't afford to eat a nutritious meal. And there's a, uh, increased reliance on food banks. So one of the things that uh, we are doing at Oddbox is that uh, so obviously we help growers by rescuing produce that they are not able to sell. And because we've got a veg box model, that means that we can be uh, supply driven. And whatever they have in excess, that's what we take, not what, not necessarily what consumers want. So kind yeah. of um, we've we've got that model where uh, we decide we can choose and decide based on what needs to be rescued but also from the start we never wanted to waste ourselves and we always have to overorder a bit because of the fact that uh, produce are not standardized and therefore uh, we don't always know whether we'll get massive potatoes or small potatoes (laughs) and uh, so any produce that we have remaining and it's usually quite a a huge amount of produce that we have remaining uh, we work with two charities so the Felix Foundation and city harvest, who come and collect the produce that we have left every week and will' distribute that to food banks and soup kitchens. So that's a bit of a circular kind of model where nothing gets wasted.
0: That's amazing. And I guess what you're trying to persuade people to be is to be more mindful, I guess, about their consumption, about their about their food purchases. Are you seeing, are you starting to see the kind of mindset shift within the, the consumer populace that you're looking for, that people are being more considerate about the waste or the environment?
1: Yes, definitely. And I think it started with uh, uh, with plastic. So uh, obviously, mm. the Attenborough effect uh, um, kind of uh, really made people realize the huge impact that plastic has because it stays uh, forever. Uh, and so we have a lot of people who come to our box because they want to reduce their plastic consumption because they know that uh, there will be limited plastic in the box and then learn about food waste. And for us, it's really important. We are not, uh, we don't want to just uh, rescue produce. We want to help people who are on that sustainability journey and we want to uh, educate and encourage them to take uh, small steps. So it's not about uh, uh, changing everything and becoming fully zero waste. It's about everybody doing uh, a small thing, and that small thing could be uh, buying fruit and veg from box. it could be using recyclable bottles, Uh, it could be carrying a bag when uh, you go to the supermarket, so it can be uh, anything. And the way we can help educate people is by, so every week uh, in our boxes we put a letter which explains where the produce comes from. why uh, the produce are in the box, so whether it's surplus, whether it's uh, uh, out of specs, um, um, uh, we give some insight into what's happening in the industry or on the farms. So last week we talked about that supplier whom we're working with um, to rescue the lettuce and why that has mm. happened. Uh, we also give tips and recipes for people to cook the produce because it can be quite uh, frightening when you receive a box of produce and things that you've never cooked with. And um, so we're helping people to kind of make sure that they don't waste at home as well, because that would be a A real shame if uh, we rescue produce that uh, people don't know uh, what to do with. So it's really kind of uh, and um, in terms of uh, uh, social media engagement, we have a lot of recipes. So uh, since Uh, Since the pandemic, the start of the pandemic, um, each week one of us in the team will do a cupboard recipe where um, we we showcase our cooking skills, not necessarily great, but just to to show (laughs) that uh, there's ways to use all the different produce in the box.
0: Because I guess seasonality is a key thing in this as well. We've yeah. got used to just being able to buy any fruit or veg all year round. And that just isn't how the world works.
1: No. And and that's one of the, the challenges that uh, in the winter, uh, we'll have more root veg in the boxes. Right now, it's a lot of uh, um, salads and lettuce. Uh, we're having uh, the asparagus season for uh, two months because the British asparagus season is only two months long. Um, mm. And then we'll have berries coming in. So it's very much dependent on what's in season. So that's also something that people love because they kind of rediscover what's in season. And actually, when you eat in season, it tastes a lot better.
0: Hi there. If you're finding the show interesting so far, please don't forget to hit subscribe to stay up to date with future episodes. I'd also like to invite you to join the Journey Further book club. This is a learning community designed for time-pressured marketers. We're kicking off a new theme this quarter, all around communication. We share bite-sized insight from the best books on this topic, host virtual meetups with the community, and much more. We've got over a 1,000 members in the community now, including some of the marketing team at Oddbox, in fact. It's completely free to join. It takes 30 seconds. Just head to journeyfurther.com to sign up. And I guess just going back a little bit, then, when did you realize that you could try and start tackling this problem? What what led to the start of of, of Oddbox?
1: Yes, yeah, so you you would probably hear that I'm not originally from the UK. So I uh, <laughs> I grew up in France, and uh, actually my grandparents. Uh, Um, were potato farmers and i uh, grew up in the countryside so kind of uh, growing our own produce in uh, our back garden so i've kind of always been quite connected to the food uh, we grow and eat and when i came to the uk i had a bit of frustration of uh, obviously it was amazing to be able to go to the supermarket and find everything and get strawberries all year round but then um Uh, They never really tasted the same as what I would get from my garden. And that kind of um, uh, led me to uh, look into what was happening, why um, uh, I couldn't get the same type of produce, why everything was available all year round, and uh, very quickly by doing that research, I realized that uh, how the um, produce industry was working and how much much waste it generated. And um, then um, we came across uh, two startups in the U.S. who had uh, launched something similar to box, so kind of a veg box model, and uh, we thought, oh, that's... uh, that's actually something that uh, potentially could help uh, solve the issue. And at the same time, in France, there was a supermarket uh, running a campaign uh, around wonky fruit and veg. Uh, and so that's kind of mm. uh, all of this uh, was a combination. There was uh, uh, some food waste. Uh, kind of, uh, you Wedding Stall uh, um, did a big campaign on food waste in the UK. So there was starting to be kind of, uh, uh, increased focus on on food waste. And uh, um, and uh, at the start, we started odd box really small, just working with uh, uh, two growers who also were wholesalers at the uh, wholesale market in London, uh, getting produce from them. Uh, So uh, we did a trial and with uh, 20 customers, so just uh, uh, some of them are friends and then uh, finding uh, people in our neighborhood um, who were willing to uh, try it out. And, uh, and kind of uh, getting the produce, packing everything ourselves and distributing ourselves, just to see whether that was something that would, uh, could work here and would appeal to people.
0: Wow, so it was very DIY. Yes. <laughs> uh, in, in every sense of the word, really, to start with. And when when did you I guess when did you realize that you obviously had this idea? When did you realize that yes, like you you were getting some traction and this this could this could grow to become something much bigger?
1: So from from the start when we were talking to people, everybody was saying uh, it's a great idea. But then the challenge is kind of how do you convert people from saying it's a great idea to people actually buying? And that's that was difficult and so we started so we did the trial in 2015 then kind of stopped for a few months to find more suppliers, to work out, uh, we would do the packing, um, the delivery, and all of that, and then restarted in mid 2016 again with 20 customers, and we only grew to 60 customers by the end of 2016. So it took a lot of work and refining, and kind of losing customers because we were not doing it right, gaining new customers. So, it, uh, and um, I, for all businesses. That's uh, how it is. the f- The first few months and years are difficult.
0: Mm. What, what What were your biggest lessons during that during that time?
1: So one of the first lessons, and I guess because we were not uh, from the produce industry, we didn't know anything about produce. We had to learn quite a lot. But when we contacted initially, when we contacted the growers, we thought that they would be. Uh, really keen and happy to work with us and actually we realized that it wasn't the case and um, uh, there's uh, a few different reasons for that first of all they probably had already uh, been contacted by several people who had the same idea uh, but uh, Mm. maybe didn't uh, go through with the idea and so they thought uh, maybe it's a waste of time we were not from the industry. We didn't know uh, anything about fresh produce, so uh, they thought we're uh, we're amateurs, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, um, and we didn't have any credentials. And also, uh, um, people don't in the industry don't really like to talk about uh, uh, food waste because it's not. Mm. So they don't grow produce to then waste the produce so there was a bit of uh, when we would contact them they would say no we don't have any waste but uh, actually uh, that's true they might not have any waste in the way that they don't send anything to landfill but they would send a lot of things to animal feed to uh, anaerobic digestion plant which will create energy from uh, food wasted or just leave it in the field so it's not technically uh, complete waste but it just didn't go to uh, where it should go. And, and also, uh, we thought that we would be able to just order a few boxes uh, of, uh, of apples and that they would send us a few boxes. Actually, we realized that uh, they were not interested in just uh, selling us a few boxes because uh, it was very small volume. And also, if we wanted them, we would have to go and get them that they wouldn't take care of the, oh, okay. the logistics.
0: Yeah, it's a, a, a steep learning curve. Yes. And that, that's interesting that you say that the problem, at least then and probably now to an extent, is a bit unspoken. It's almost a bit of a taboo. Yes. Um, and I guess you, you do see in supermarkets now, typically most supermarkets have some sort of wonky range of, of vegetables is, is is that a positive thing that we're seeing or, or is that the supermarkets merely just nodding towards this this problem but not really taking a big enough step to actually acknowledge that it's an issue?
1: So I think it's both. So there, there's always been kind of a second class. Um, ranges of produce, and earlier it was called uh, the basics, uh, uh, um, so uh, different supermarkets will have different uh, classifications, so it's always been there. Now they've rebranded it wonky because uh, wonky has become fashionable. But Mm. in some ways, um, the more focus and the more uh, communication and information about the issue, the better it is for everyone. So um, it's, uh, yes, they are doing it because uh, people are more aware of the issue and more open to buying this produce if they are called wonkies and basics, uh, but uh, it's also overall a good thing. They could do a lot more and uh, they could work with more with their growers to try to take the whole uh, the crop and in some ways... Uh, they are starting to do it, but they are also uh, the ones uh, generating the problem because of the fact that uh, uh, they are v- very much demand driven and they will change their orders at the last minute based on uh, ch- kind of, uh, uh, changes in... So if there's a uh, hot spell, people will, uh, will want more lettuce, but if suddenly it's getting colder, people will want less lettuce. So, and they will adjust their orders based on that.
0: Yeah, as you said, at the very last minute, causing that, causing that problem. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you um, a little bit about the sort of the last couple of months and, and the coronavirus pandemic. Obviously, we've seen massive changes in consumer behavior almost overnight. Um, I guess, what's your view on how that will impact what you're trying to achieve go, go, going forward?
1: Yeah, so what we've seen is actually a huge acceleration in the adoption of uh, e-commerce. And so um, online grocery was only 7% of the overall grocery shopping uh, before the start of Covid. it's now jumped to uh, uh, just over 10%. And we think that will continue. So there's a lot of people who have never shopped online who suddenly now uh, uh, registered for online deliveries. And, uh, are quite enjoying the convenience of getting things delivered to their door in a safe way. Also, with uh, social distancing uh, probably going to continue for several months, people don't feel safe going to the supermarket. So we're seeing um, that trend. What we're seeing as well is people refocusing. So there's been a decrease in food waste at home, actually during the pandemic. Even though there's been a lot of stockpiling, uh, people Mm. I've realized that uh, they shouldn't take food for granted, and so they put more value in the uh, in what they buy and making sure that they use everything. So that's uh, we see that as kind of a real positive. There's also been a huge focus on uh, on community, and actually that means that uh, for us uh, as a brand and as an organization, we need to make sure that uh, um, we. Uh, do the right thing for our community and consumers now uh, will call out brands who try to take advantage and who don't, who, who don't do the right thing. So I think there's been kind of, um, uh, more companies at all levels uh, have a bigger responsibility to, uh, uh, to care.
0: As you say, when when times are tough, it becomes clear whether an organisation is truly purpose driven or whether the only thing it cares about is is revenue.
1: Is profit. Yeah.
0: So that's really interesting. It's interesting you mention about the 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 locality as well. Is is it that people are becoming more aware of where their food comes from? I guess, and and maybe more supportive of local businesses and local local growers.
1: Yes, we've, we've seen uh, actually uh, there's been an increase in people going to their local convenience shops. Uh, people are aware of uh, uh, all the local businesses having had to close and uh, uh, pubs, restaurants really struggling. And so lots, lots of them are now um, selling um, uh, kind of food or have turned into delis, uh, and uh, people feel that uh, it's their responsibility to uh, to help uh, their local businesses. So we are seeing as well kind of increased focus uh, in uh, people just kind of uh, helping uh, their community, whether it's their neighbors or whether mm. it's their local shops. And I, I, think that's a good thing. I think it's good that uh, uh, there's uh, uh, really kind of more of that sense of community uh, coming back together.
0: Yeah, mm. I think it it'll contributes to the to the mindfulness um, yeah. as a whole. Um, I just wanted to come back to then the the, the growth of Oddbox. Obviously, you, you started off packing the boxes yourself for twenty or so customers. Um, Am I right in saying you've now got about 10,000 customers in, in London?
1: Uh, we've, that was pre-COVID. Uh, we've kind of uh, more than uh, tripled that over the past two months. So there's, that's been uh, a massive acceleration because um, of the fact that we deliver to people's door and uh, right. it's uh, it's a subscription. Uh, our prices are relatively affordable. So uh, people like that uh Surety of getting produced, delivered to their door.
0: Wow! So you've seen you've seen actual real growth as well, yes. during this pit How much did you say? Sorry that it had increased.
1: Uh, it's uh, uh, almost quadrupled, uh, and it's still oh, wow. uh, accelerating. Yes,
0: it's still going. And how are you supporting this growth now as a business? I, I read that a couple of months ago you had your sort of biggest funding round to date, which is which is amazing. Congratulations! Thank you. Um, How has it been going from that sort of startup mode to obviously receiving that type of funding? And and I guess where and what's the sort of growth plan from here?
1: Yes, so uh, actually we had already, uh, so we were doing all the packing in-house Up to six months ago, we outsourced everything in November, which uh, is good because otherwise we wouldn't have been able to cope with the increased demand. So we've been working closely with our uh, co packing partner and our delivery partner to increase capacity uh, quite quickly. And actually, we had to uh, kind of um, closed the website down for a few weeks at the start of the crisis because we were getting uh, too many orders and we knew that we wouldn't be able to deliver with kind of the right level of service and uh, uh, and then uh, we put in place processes to be able to manage uh, this increased demand and then reopened. Uh, We've kind of, also prioritized uh, key workers, NHS staff and kind of vulnerable people when we reopened to make sure that uh, they could get access to Outbox first. Maybe. And so in terms of uh, plans, so the reason we raised additional funding is because we are still only in London right now. And we've, uh, we've got a growing waiting list of people outside of London who've heard about Hotbox and would love to uh, help contribute to tackling food waste. And so the team is working now on kind of a nationwide rollout. So that's uh, wow. uh, the plan for the, uh, the near future.
0: Exciting. What, what are the sort of biggest challenges in doing that? Is it a supply chain challenge or are there other sort of key challenges in terms of expansion?
1: Yes. So the, the key challenge is uh is supply chain. Right now we work with a small delivery partner, um, based in London. So uh, they don't have they have capacity to uh, expand a bit, but uh, not necessarily to cover uh, the all of the UK. So mm-hmm. we are looking at a nationwide delivery partner to do that. Um, it's uh, also kind of in terms of. Uh, um, uh, the reason why we raised another funding round is that, uh, uh, again, uh, all that we, we've got uh, heavy logistics operation uh, and uh, uh, even in terms of marketing and kind of making sure that uh, we provide the right level of service, we needed additional funding to be able to, do, to deliver that rollout.
0: Interesting, and and that that funding itself, how was that process of of uh, of raising funding? I guess what you guys are doing with a really clear mission, actually trying to help the help the world. Um, I imagine that's probably uh, not of interest to certain type of investors, but a real of interest to to another type of investor.
1: Yes, yeah, so there's, there's an increased focus on uh, impact from certain investors. However, uh, all investors look for a return on investment. So the, so, um, so they want uh, they want both. They want the impact and they mm. want the financial return. Um, and uh, um, it, I wouldn't say it's been too different from uh, if we were kind of uh, only uh, for profit um uh, business. Uh, however, we always get more questions in terms of uh, um, what is our balance between uh, impact and profit. The good thing mm. uh, with Outbox is that uh, the more boxes we sell, the more we can help growers. So we don't have a disconnect between uh, profit and purpose. It's our purpose is embedded into everything we do.
0: That's really interesting because it's kind of self fulfilling. Yeah,
1: and and for us, we believe that uh, kind of, uh, again, the uh, the kind of uh, um, more customers we can deliver to, the more people join our community, the bigger I'm, our impact. Because also people get educated about the issue of food waste, and they then take steps beyond you know, just buying a veg box towards kind of choosing. Uh, making different choices or more sustainable choices in other areas of their life.
0: Mm. And as that education grows and it becomes more possible to kind of tackle this big issue with, of food waste, have you got your eyes set on any other real key problems in the in in this area which Oddbox uh, could could help tackle?
1: Um Right now, I think we're a long way from kind of uh, having solved the issue of food waste. So, uh, so not really. We're uh, uh, we kind of uh, we feel that uh, uh, actually it's better to be focused in one th- on one thing only. And uh, mm. tackle that in a big way, than trying to uh, to do too much. And right now we are focused on fruit and veg. There's a lot of waste happening in other types of uh, categories of food. So whether it's uh, best before dates, uh, kind of mm. supermarkets will only take uh, if it has kind of a very long shelf life. It's if it's close to best before, they won't take uh, some of the produce. Um, uh, so some what we've done in the past is we've put uh, we've worked with one of our apple growers who's made juices from apples uh, that he had surplus and uh, um, the uh, best before date was only a month uh, instead of being 3 months re- requested by retailers so we put uh, this uh, um, is juices in our boxes? So we are trying to see if there's a way for us to expand beyond fruit and veg and help mm. uh, solve the uh, issue of food waste in other categories.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, Emily. It's it's been it's been fascinating uh, speaking to you and, and learning about the learning about the mission that, that you're on with with Oddbox. I, I just wanted to to finish up by asking you um, asking you three final questions. The first one is. What did you used to believe that you no longer believe in?
1: So going back to uh, something I mentioned earlier, I used to believe that having a great idea was actually kind of the most important thing to start a business. And uh, everybody kind of gets uh, uh, really enamored with uh, their idea. And But quite early on, I realized that uh, our idea was in no way unique and that actually... Um, Lots of people had had the same idea and uh, Mm. instead of trying to keep uh, this idea secret uh, and uh, not sharing, it was a lot better to tell a lot of people about uh, uh, the idea and then get feedback and then refine. So it's it's quite uh, important to really get feedback on your idea early on and also that gives you a bit of accountability so once you've told uh, that you're planning to do something about a problem then people will ask you uh, how you've progressed so i think it's uh, uh, it's kind of good accountability of uh, telling a lot of people and then uh, you're pushed to do something about it and i kind of also realize that uh, the idea is easy but then uh, kind of the execution is the hard part. So especially with odd box because uh, we were at the start, we were working with the wholesale market, the kind of growers in the wholesale market, the wholesale market is open only overnight. So we had to go there at four in the morning to get the produce. Then packing boxes is hard work. Uh, delivering to uh, different houses in London is hard work. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, it's not just sitting, at your computer uh, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to run the business from home. There's a lot of uh, physical work involved.
0: That's interesting you, you say about the about having the idea. I think a lot of people feel that that's the the blocker. They think that oh, I'm never going to have this a uh, business yeah. idea. Um, and our
1: idea was is quite simple. It's just putting fruit and veg in a box. So there's no nothing <laughs> really complicated uh, about the idea. So. Uh, And uh, yes, people think that somebody else will steal their idea, but then uh, you would know, you and I can have like uh, uh, 20 different ideas uh, every day, probably more. So I don't think we're ever going to lack ideas. I think it's just kind of the execution on the idea, which becomes the hard part.
0: Mm. So secondly, if if this wasn't your mission, so imagine we're in a, a parallel universe. If this wasn't your mission, reducing and tackling food waste, what would be?
1: Yes, so I'm, I'm quite a strong believer in diversity and gen- gender equality. And actually, we've got a very diverse team at Hotbox in terms of gender, nationality, age, background experience. And that's really something of, uh, really uh, uh, close to my heart. And in fact, before starting Hotbox, I was working for a charity focusing on uh, girls' empowerment in developing countries and specifically Mm -hmm. the work was around reframing the image that girls have of themselves because it all starts with uh, your own self and how you see yourself and what you can achieve as well as uh, reframing the image that communities have of girls so kind of uh, uh, how do you uh, empower girls to believe in themselves as much as community to believe uh, in uh, the power of girls, and uh, because we're uh, kind of, uh, podcast is around books. One of the great books that I read about gender empowerment and uh, which talks about uh, girls and women is uh, a book written by uh, Melinda Gates called "The Moment of Lift." So, if uh, anybody is interested in learning more about uh, uh, women's empowerment, that's one of the books I could recommend. But I've got other book re- recommendations as well.
0: <laughs> you got another point that's really interesting and how have you seen that impact oddbox as a business and like putting a focus on building a diverse team what have been the effects of that you've seen of that
1: i think i think it's quite important so in terms of for people who join to have role models um and uh, especially we have kind of uh, a lot of uh, younger people so to make sure there's role models and people uh, who uh, have had a lot of different experience so that, that they, can, uh, they can see what they can achieve um, and also kind of, uh, different people diff- with different experience and background will have different perspective so it's important to be able to uh, see get different perspective and not uh, have only people who have the same view on everything. So uh, conflict and discussion uh, creates Mm. a lot more than just having everybody agreeing or everybody on the same page.
0: I completely agree. And finally then, Emily, if you could recommend one book for members of the Journey Further Book Club to read, what would it be?
1: Yeah, so I've, I've got, uh, I, I'm cheating a bit, I've got actually two. So one is more <laughs> of a fiction and one is uh, non-fiction. So um, uh, I, uh, I used to live, uh, so before coming to the UK, I lived in India for several years. And uh, so one of the great novels that I would recommend is called uh, Shantaram. Um, and it's actually the story of a convicted uh, kind of an Aussie who, was, who escaped from uh, prison and flees to India and he, he ends up kind of, uh, uh, meeting a lot of different people uh, living in Bombay and uh, uh, ends up living in the slums as well so the, because uh, i visited Bombay uh, several times he talks about places that uh, I've been to but overall it's uh, it's a very enjoyable read. So even if you've not been to India, I would still strongly recommend reading Shantaram. And then if you're looking for something which is non-fiction, then uh, the Participation Revolution um, is an amazing book which talks about the shift towards a more par- participating world and how to leverage the power of community when building an, a brand and a community. So kind of. Uh, a huge So tech was a huge shift, but he's talking about the fact that community or kind of the move towards participation and community is another big shift. So that's also kind of a really easy and interesting book to read.
0: Wow, that sounds great. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look those up for sure. Um, Emily, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Uh, thanks for taking the time.
1: Yes, really nice speaking to you as well, Nathan.
0: Thank you for listening to the very end of the episode. Please do leave a review to let me know what you thought. I really value the feedback and it'll help more people discover Emily and Oddbox's story. If you find the startup world particularly interesting, tune into our episode with Peter Briffitt from Wagestream. They're a fintech startup on a mission to end payday poverty and put the predatory payday loan companies out of business. Finally, if you haven't already joined the Journey Further book club, now is the time. Head to journeyfurther.com and follow the book club link to join the community. It's completely free and I guarantee you'll find it really valuable. To get in touch with me, Nathan, you can email podcast at journeyfurther.com. See you again soon.